Hello, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Good Good Judgment Judgment Podcast. Podcast. Folks, this is a podcast that's purpose is for Georgia judges or anybody else who might be interested in what goes on in the courtroom. Please understand that we are Georgia-focused, meaning that we are going to focus our attention on issues that arise under Georgia law, but occasionally we will get into some subjects of common interest. And we really appreciate you folks listening. And as we go to the studio audience, we ask, please hold your applause till the end. All right, now to the studio. Hey, folks, welcome back to the Good Judgment Podcast. I'm Wade Padgett. And I'm Tane Kell. And so here we are, Tane. Um, we have an episode, and we really should be better at asking people's permission to use their stuff. <laughs> I understand that with attribution, there is no plagiarism. So today we have an episode and here's our attribution, uh, and all copyright and credit goes to the authors. Uh, we have an, a, a, a podcast that came out of a paper that was authored by Chief Judge Christopher Edwards and his staff attorney, Kyle Harris-Timmons. So the paper was one that was shared uh, among the judges prom- prior to the primary elections we just had. And unfortunately, we were unable to get this episode recorded prior to those elections. But in looking back, we thought it would be helpful to share Judge Edwards and Mr. Timmons's thoughts on an important topic that is likely to recur every year in which an election occurs. Tane, tell the folks what our topic is today. The duties of judges in connection with elections. Now, this is not dealing with your own election. This is dealing with the duties of the superior court judge during an actual election contest. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to straighten that out for you today. So Tane, this is another one of those topics in which our listeners are likely to find exhilarating. All of them are exhilarating, Wade. It's really hard to believe that we are not in the top 10 hottest podcasts on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, given our subject matter. You know, that is politics at its at its just richest right there. That is all that it, it is. It is payments. It is it is graft, corruption and politics. That's all that is. Not quality of content. No, I mean, clearly, clearly that isn't it. Anyway, back to the podcast. Well, well, you know, we're always willing to consider topics that folks suggest um, so if they're getting tired of our selections, they have some options, don't they? Oh, yeah, they can always recommend topics to us or send us papers, which keeps us from having to do the work at goodjudgepod at gmail.com, or they can contact us through our website at goodjudgepod.com. And whenever they do that, I mean, we remain willing and able to receive all their good ideas and particularly things that they submit that we don't have to work on. So if they would just go ahead and do the work for us, Maybe even put Wade and Tane in as as far as who's supposed to say what. That would be very helpful. And put some funny stuff in there too, if you if you write one. And if they do that, Tane, we'll even give them attribution. Isn't that the word you use? Yeah, exactly. Because that keeps us from suffering from plagiarism. All right, so let's um, let's talk about elections. Um, an election scheduled, and judges actually have some well-defined duties on election day. And what I'll how this works in my jurisdiction, and Wade, you can share how it works in yours. We actually have a duty judge who is designated to be on duty, and our board of local board of elections knows who the duty judge is. And literally, you could be called at 
you know, 11 o'clock at night if there's an issue with an election that has to be brought before a judge. So um, how does it work in your circuit, Wade? To be honest with you, it is more ad hoc. We have duty judges, but at the same time, the local election superintendent for each of our three counties usually contacts whoever they normally contact. For example, I live in Columbia County, so the Columbia County election superintendent frequently frequently will make sure I'm available on election day or the other judge is available that lives in Columbia County. And I think they do it sort of on an ad hoc basis. But let's talk so, about it. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah, well, I was just going to say, where does the authority come from that, that sets out these duties that, that we have? Wait. We, we really try on the Good Judgment Podcast not to read statutes and give you too many statute numbers. I think Tane described one time, if you were so exhilarated and this was such an important point, you might wreck your car as you're listening to the podcast going from That's one right. court to another. But just remember, all these are going to be available on our website, goodjudgepod.com. But OCGA 21-2-412 basically gives you a game plan as the judge for what your duties are on election day. And so, you always know you always know that it's an important statute that's going to be used all the time if its number is 412. You always know that that's going to be a really statute you're going to be referring to every single day. So at least one judge of the superior court from each circuit shall be available on the day of every primary or general election from 7 a.m. until 10 p.m., quote, and so long thereafter, as it may appear, the process of such court will be necessary to secure a free, fair, and correct computation and canvas of votes cast at such primary or election. So in other words, you got to be on duty as long as it takes if you are the assigned judge. During that well, period, and, go ahead. And, and you, you can imagine that that might in fact be the case. I mean, if there's a recount that ends up being a hand count or something, you literally could be on duty, quote unquote, for two or three days while that's ongoing. Yeah, you really could. During the period that... that during the period that you're on duty, I guess I should say, the court will it shall issue process if necessary to enforce and secure compliance with the election laws and shall decide such other matters pertaining to the election as may be necessary to carry out the intent of this chapter. So that's basically the statutory language. Now, Tane, this is a little different than when somebody contests the election, right? Yeah, right. These are not election contests. This is something actually in the mechanism of the conduct of the election where maybe the election supervisor has to come to you and say, hey, people are congregating and keeping folks from being able to to uh, cast their ballots. You know, you may have to do something here or it may be that some machines break down and somebody brings an injunctive action to stop the process because, um, you know, polls are closing at seven o'clock and machines have been down for three hours in your county and, you know, something needs to be done. Some, some practical situation like that. You know, you, you could have a, a election contest, um, which is a whole different statute, 212520. But that has to be filed within five days of the election. What we're talking about here really is the election day duties as opposed to overseeing or somehow hearing an election contest. 
Yeah, these are things that actually happened during the conduct of the election itself, during the casting of the votes themselves, not something where someone says, hey, I, don't, I think I really won this election. We need to go back and do X, Y, or Z to see if I won. Tane, you're the writer of our group. Why don't you tell folks the language that Judge Edwards and Mr. Timmons talked about sort of abstractly or basically indirectly about how important this particular duty is for Superior Court judges? Yeah, uh, and it is eloquent. It says, this obscure election night court statute reposes great trust in the diligence, impartiality, and courage of judges to immediately enjoin abuses and immediately mandate compliance with the law to ensure free, fair elections. Public confidence in the validity of our free elections in Georgia depends upon our superior courts honoring this election day and night duty. Yeah, there's a there's a lot there's a lot to unpack there, but I think there's a lot of validity to that. And so they they talked about in their paper, uh, Judge Edwards and Mr. Timmons, the 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 statute 412, 412 is unique in a couple of specific ways. Number one, the superior court judge or whoever was on duty does not have to have a written complaint in order to act. And then number two, the jurisdiction under this statute is limited to the time period when the election or the tabulating of results is actually occurring. Yeah, right. It, it carries on until, as I said a minute ago, the votes are actually tabulated. So, um, you know, it could go into the next day or the day after, but it's not something that's contemplated to last post-election. Right. You know, they talked about historically, and this has been my experience, that that judges who had the election day duty would basically be contacted by the superintendent and they would say, Hey, we've got a problem at the polling place on Jones street. And they didn't open on time because they didn't have power or whatever. And so we need to get you to sign this order to keep that polling place open for another hour. That's fairly straightforward and simple. You you can't necessarily replace 7 AM with 7 PM, but it, it that's you can't you can't reverse time either, and so you have to give the folks that that amount that twelve hour period to actually vote. But you know, Tane, the world is changing a bit. Yeah, it, you know, in, in our more modern courthouses, elections might require the judge to open the courthouse, so to speak. I mean, literally, you know, get the doors opened by the sheriff so that aggrieved parties or adversaries could come in and conduct an impromptu adversarial hearing. I mean, the statute doesn't allow for a jury trial on these issues. This is particularly a, a bench issue for the judge, um, and it is for the assigned judge. So who, whoever's on duty that night, they can't just run off to to a different judge and try to get something done. Um, but it is possible that the judge would be asked to enjoin certain activities or grant other relief on an immediate basis. And therefore, you've got to be able to act and act quickly. You know, you talked about the no jury trial thing and not trying to be too technical or law schooly, law schooly here. But basically, the relief you're generally being asked to give is based in equity. It's not based in law. I mean, it's based in law, but but you're having to make a lot of equitable decisions and join or I guess in a positive way or a negative way, people from doing or telling them to stop doing something. So basically, there's not going to be a jury trial right inherent in any of this. It's going to be one of those things that we're going to look to some of that language that the judge and Mr. Timmons used 
talking about the duties of the judges and going to go look to you to do the right thing. Yeah, I mean, these are these are actions. Uh, it's injunction, it's writs of prohibition, and it is uh, mandamus type actions. All of those type things are contemplated um, that you might be asked to do. But yeah, there there are some uh, uh, some things that each circuit should do to prepare for upcoming elections, and I think it warrants us kind of going through some of those. The first one is. Um, you need to know who the assigned judge is for election day in a particular circuit. Now, in yours, you said it's it's a little more impromptu than that, but uh, my guess is that you are tacitly assigned to that county in which you live uh, to answer the questions on election day or election night. And um, the uh, the Uniform Superior Court Rule 3.1 case assignment rule essentially applies with respect to this election statute. Um, the second thing that's required uh, for the for a circuit to do is um, that the clerks of court need to be required um, to have personnel potentially available for the election day or night to notify the assigned judge and election superintendent um, how that judge can be contacted on election day. Now we we do it more directly. I usually have a conversation if it's me who's assigned with the election superintendent and essentially say, here's my cell phone number. Uh, you know, you just need to call me and give me a heads up if we're going to need to intervene on something. You know, you what also wait. Well, you know, this is a, a, the list that Judge Edwards and Mr. Timmons suggested, and I thought it was really insightful. If you had to open court at night, you could probably get the sheriff to send somebody to stand there or whatever, but you got to have a clerk. You need a court reporter potentially available and they need to know that, you know, within 30 minutes, I may need you in the courthouse and, you know, don't have too many beers with dinner. Or by Zoom. You know, that is very interesting. You say that that is, that is something that I literally was thinking about as, as I was reading through this, we're going to need to be able to, um, conduct court. Some of our colleagues, unfortunately, in the middle of this COVID business have, have had to essentially shut their courthouses and, and operate from alternative locations but um, because of infection. But, you know, if you think about it, this is a perfect place where you could use Zoom. Yeah, I think in the future, uh, one of the things we'll be looking at is whether some of the provisions in Uniform Superior Court Rules 9.1 and 9.2 might actually stay in place for things like emergency hearings so that we can conduct those hearings via video or, or maybe have the court reporter present by video or maybe have you know other parties present by video. Um, I, I think that's a conversation that we'll definitely be ha having after COVID. You know, way Talk of, we've had that episode on recusal. Think about mm -hmm. this. What if you're the assigned judge and you're on the ballot? You may yeah, have to recuse yourself if you're on the ballot. Hopefully most circuits now have kind of developed a situation where there's a rotation that somebody's on the governor cycle, somebody's on the president cycle. But if not, you're going to have to think that through because in theory, you could be seen to be self-dealing when your name's on the ballot and either you are allowing people to vote late or vote early or whatever, I could see that being an issue that I would never have even crossed my mind. 
Yeah, definitely. I think in our circuit, one of the things that we would that we try to do is if you are the assigned judge and you're on the ballot, I would at least contact one of my colleagues who's not on the ballot and say, hey, look, you don't have to be duty judge, but you're the backup in case something comes up in my election. So, um, um, well, what else? There, there are a few other things um, uh, that that. Uh, Judge Edwards listed that I think are, are worth thinking about too. Now, one of those is that uh, you need to know exactly who to call and how to open the courthouse after hours on election day or night if necessary. We, uh, I'll just have to admit, uh, when all of this COVID virus stuff came up, um, we didn't have a complete listing of, of emergency phone numbers for the court personnel that we probably should have had all along. I had a list of all the people to call if, it, if we had a snow day, um, you know, but sometimes those aren't all the same people. So uh, you might want to think about making that list sooner rather than later. What else, Wade? So their paper really suggested a couple of innovative ideas about possibly even, even letting the local bar know who's going to be on call and how you might get in touch with that judge in the event something were to happen to election. They even suggested potentially asking your, whoever handles your email to create a unique email address so that if someone has a complaint or needs to be heard, that the email address could come to that judge basically for that day or evening and that way, if you had it on your phone or on your laptop or wherever at home, you would be able, they would have a, a clear path to get to the judge who is assigned. You know, that's kind of like what we've done with goodjudgepod at gmail.com, where people can just email us and it will go to the appropriate judge um, if they do that. Wow, that, that was a pretty good, that was pretty good. That's a good hook. At goodjudgepod at gmail.com. Pretty good hook there, buddy. I'm trying to do what I can, Wade. All right. So, Tane, I understand that you can probably find Title 21 in your cell phone if you were, you know, assigned. But there's a possibility that there's a for real complaint that you may even have to have a hearing. Tell the folks, let's let's assume that's happened, that, that you're the assigned judge, complaint is made. Where do you go to look for this law? Yeah, uh, and that's a really good question. Um, OCGA sections 21-2-400 through uh, 419 address the mechanics of voting and how voting is to be tabulated. Things like the time polling places are to be open, how votes can be cast, voter ID laws, things like limitation on campaigning activities near polling places, which is one that comes up from time to time, but other things like that are are included in that statute too. And Um, if the issue is tabulating the votes, there are later sections of Title 21, specifically 21-2-524, I think. It's in the 500s anyway. Depending on if it's a paper ballot or a mechanical ballot or optical scan machine or whatever, how those votes are to be tabulated if that is the controversy. So there's a real possibility you're going to need Title 21 near and dear to your heart if you are the assigned judge. Now, Tane, there's there's something we haven't talked about that you and I talk about with regularity. And frankly, they talked about it in their paper a little bit. The whole idea of open courtrooms, right? Right. And the whole idea of media access. So normally all of those rules require advance notice, that you you can film the proceedings with enough advance notice and then you can make a rule 22 order and all of that stuff. But when all of this is emergent, 
I really think that built into that process is an expectation that if you get a request for a media outlet that wants to come to your court because you are hearing a contest from voters that the polling place wasn't open or they weren't allowed to vote the way they wanted to or whatever, that that's something you need to incorporate into your world. Yeah, I, I think I think you're going to have to strike a balance, obviously, between the need to expeditiously decide something. I mean, if a polling place is supposed to close and someone's petitioning to keep it open, you've got to give them a decision pretty much right then. However, if you get a request from a media outlet, um, you know, you might consider saying, okay, well, we're going to hold this hearing in 30 minutes. If you can get somebody down here, fine. Or, uh, you know, we'll open a phone line and you can listen in or something, you know, innovative like that. Um, or you to, could get on our, on our WebEx or Zoom. Well, exactly. I mean, that, you know, you could live stream uh, if you wanted to, but I, I have a little hesitation with that. But, you know, we've always deferred to saying, hey, look, the courtroom doors are going to be open. You get a warm body down here. Uh, you, you know, you can uh, you can film whatever you want to and I'll sign your rule 22 as you walk in the door. But uh, but it is a consideration and it's something that we always have to be aware of and think about. I mean, these aren't and I guess what we're emphasizing is these aren't things you need to be deciding on the phone. You know what I mean? If it's a contested matter and there are parties who want to be heard. You know, we want to thank uh, Judge Edwards and Mr. Kyle Harris Timmons for sharing their work with all of the Superior Court judges. And and though they didn't give us permission, I feel certain that they would have if we had actually asked. Yeah, they're pretty good. And, and you know, I don't know Mr. Timmons, but I know Judge Edwards. and They're pretty good folks from the Griffin area. Yeah. You know, the real takeaway on this entire topic, Tane, is that preparation is key. Well, let's back up. Actually knowing there's a statute out there is key. And then preparation is a good follow-up to that. Thinking of how you might handle these issues that arise on election day or night really allows judges across Georgia to instill confidence in our voters that any issues that might arise that need to be addressed can be addressed swiftly, publicly, and according to the law. Yeah. You know, we sincerely hope that these types of issues are never relevant in your particular circuit and nothing like this will come up. But if it does, and if history is any guide, there is a growing likelihood that judges will be called upon to rule on issues that will arise on election day. So planning for those kinds of contingencies will help everyone be prepared when unexpected issues arise. Folks, thank you, as always, for listening to the Good Judgment Podcast. I'm Wade Padgett. And I'm Tane Kell, and this is the Good Judgment Podcast. Now go out there and vote, doggone it. Thanks for listening to the Good Judgment Podcast. This podcast was originally the brainchild of Mr. Doug Ashworth, who is the executive director of ICJE. Special thanks to the University of Georgia College of Law, and specifically to Mr. Jim Henneberger. Thanks to Mr. Stephen Turner and his company, Turner Up Media, for editing out as much of our stupidity as he can. But he can't get it all. We are eternally grateful to the Council of Superior Court Judges who allow us to lead NJO, that's New Judge Orientation, for new Superior Court Judges and for their support of this project. The opinions expressed on this podcast are our own and do not reflect the opinions of CSCJ, ICJE, the UGA College of Law, or anyone else for that matter. These are barely the opinions of Wade Paget and Tang Kell, so we definitely aren't speaking for anyone else. You can contact us on our website, goodjudgepod.com, 
or send us an email at goodjudgepot at gmail.com. So, Tane, I guess we better bang the gavel on this episode. Anything else you feel like we need to say? Hey, when do we drop the mics, Wade? Actually, these are expensive mics. Maybe we should just lay them down gently. Thanks for listening to the Good Judge Mint Podcast.